Station, Station, Manx Radio. Faster my, good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of Perspective on Manx Radio. We're going for another complete change of tone for this instalment. On last week's programme, I spoke about a man I have an enormous amount of admiration for, despite the fact I never really knew him, the late Dr Brian Stoll. This time round, I'm speaking to another person I have great admiration for, albeit for very different reasons. I spoke at length this week to a 23-year-old with an unusual story. As we're about to hear, Daryl Hill made up his mind about his career of choice at a very young age. The most attentive listeners to Manx Radio and those who know me away from the station will already be aware that I have a passion for snooker, and all cue sports actually, to be honest. For the last 15 years, from the age of 8, Daryl has thrown almost everything he has towards becoming a top snooker player. And his dream came true in 2015, when he won the European Under-21 Championships and gained a two-year entry to World Snooker's professional tour. Among a long list of accolades, Daryl reached a career-high ranking of 75th in the world. Now no longer on the professional tour, his latest venture is to construct and establish a state-of-the-art dedicated Q-Sports facility on the Isle of Man, which he's hoping will be fully operational by around February next year. Plans have been approved to construct the Q-Zone IOM in the old sorting office on the Ronaldsway Industrial Estate, which is now beginning to take shape. Daryl came up to the studio to tell me all about the project. Obviously, it got into the into the media when I submitted the plans. Um, this is something that I've been looking at for quite a few years now. Um, actually, looking for something better to serve our players over here and serve the general community and, and public of snooker enthusiasts or Q sport enthusiasts. And uh, it was a bit slow going with um, things in the past, and then of course I got on the professional tour, which put a halt to everything. Plans eventually went through, we, we found somewhere, we, we put the plans in, they went through, they had support and since then we've now been uh, you know, working hard with the building, uh, getting it ready for what we envisage now, another co- probably couple of months and then uh, we can look to, to have something in place on the island um, for a proper snooker Q-Sport facility. So remind us, um, what is it going to be and where is it going to be first? Yeah, so the building, um, a lot of people will know it, I think, as the old southern sorting office uh, that the post office used down in uh, Ronaldsway Estate, on the industrial estate, um, so just opposite the airport, really. Um, I think it's a good central location, really, uh, for to serve the south, to serve Douglas, um, you know, even Peel and, and Ramsey for the, those who are really keen. I think it's quite known on the island amongst snooker players and amongst even non-snooker players um, that we have a lack of proper snooker club facilities or Q Sport facilities, and when you've been across, you 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 know what I'm what I'm talking about there. I think it's 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 pretty obvious from everyone that knows the game over here that if we carry on as we are now, there is no future in the game because we have no juniors coming through the game, mainly again due to just to availability of, of venues really, um, and. I'm looking to bring that club feel back to the island. Uh, well, I don't think we've really had it in my lifetime while I've been here, going across, seeing the difference over there, and, and our players go to Leeds, to the home internationals, for instance. Um, yes, that's one of the best clubs in the country, but you walk in there, and, and when you're new to the venue, you, you yourself have been, you just go wow and think, oh, we don't have anything like this back home. So we need to make a difference. We need to put something in place that gives a future to the game over here. I think that with the knowledge I've gained through my career and uh, what I've picked up from from touring the places I have, um, that I have the knowledge and, and the experience to deliver something along those lines, um, a professionally run Q-Sport facility, um, which is dedicated to the game and dedicated to bringing on new people, introducing new people to the game and hopefully they see the appeal for that and and come down and see what it's like and join it and you know the game takes off again i hope there's lots of things to talk about from what you've just said there one i'm going to pick on to begin with um lots of especially the older players on the island um will remember there there were lots of venues Mm. not all that long ago i remember a conversation with um ken kinraid 
about when he started playing snooker yeah. and the amount of people that were interested was was an awful lot more than it um, is now for a beginning but also the yeah. the choice of venues not just in Douglas all over the island I think there was a venue in Peel um, yeah. until not long before our playing memories first of all why do you think that decline happened um, I'm not sure because certainly even those days is is bef- just before I, I started I mean when I when I started getting interest in the game and um when it was discovered that I was I was I had a talent for the game over here. Um and you started quite young, didn't you? I was eight, yeah, so we're talking fifteen years ago now. There wasn't really many more I mean, no venues have closed since I've been playing the game. And it was it was really difficult for me to knuckle down somewhere, for me to get a venue where I could knuckle down and put the hours that I wanted in because I knew very early on that this was my sport and this is what I wanted to do and it wasn't a hobby for me I knew I knew I wanted to make this my my life and my career there wasn't the access to do that over here it was actually Ken Kinraid himself um, who spotted me when I was quite young along with uh, another gentleman from from the association then Mel Quine who was the the face of Ironman Snooker and who went on to develop me properly in the UK they managed to talk to my parents really and get me to uh, what was probably the best venue then on the island, the Finch Hill um, Bowling and Snooker Club as it was. Back in those days it was a real proper gentleman's club and it was where it was very strict membership, no under 16s were allowed in so I had to go in front of the committee and Ken and Mel had to put the, the point across as to you know we, we think we've got somebody here who can make something this game, we need to bring him into this facility to, to, to bring that out of him. Um, now, of course, if there was a handful of, of youngsters like that, they wouldn't have all had that facility and that, that opportunity then. So that played a massive role. Um, but technically, that wasn't available to me back then. You know, as I said, I had to get special dispensation. Um, and it was quite monitored as to how often I was going in. And then as that's progressed, when I got to a point where I, I was having to get on the tournament tables, you know, my only option was to, was to through the help of sponsors, which, you know, that they know I'm very grateful for, um, managed to get my own match table actually at home uh, with an outbuilding at home. Without all that, um, and, the de- and aside from that, the dedication elsewhere that I had to put in, you know, I even stopped going to school and was home educated so I could put the hours in because it was so much more difficult than what the fellow juniors across that I was seeing regularly were getting. Without all that, I wouldn't have made it to where I am now and um, none of that's changed over here. So I know somewhere there will be another me um, it's finding them, but also giving them somewhere to to bring that out to them. Because if there is another me out there now, there's nothing really much we can do about it. And that's what the coaches are finding as well. You mentioned Finch Hill and um, lots of the island's top players play from there or certainly will be very familiar with, with mm. the venue at the very least. What's different about your proposal for a club in the south from somewhere like that, for example? Yeah, um, I mean... It is a good venue, there's no doubt, you know, I'm not, not disputing that. Um, and it is, is as close to my home venue on Ireland as, as I can get. And uh, it's the one that the association uses mostly for for their uh, tournaments. It's not, you know, it still operates like this private membership scheme. I mean, they've, they've, they have got relaxed with that um, because they've recognised they had to. So it is easier now for people to become members. Um, it's not a manned building, so it's not like a snooker club. You get keys or you get a code and you go in and let yourself in. The main issue, really, which I think the people of that venue will, will agree with me, that it's really too small to serve the demand because it is now becoming so popular and it's only actually got two snooker tables and one pool table. It's now overcrowded. You, you struggle to get a table in there. You can't book a table for long. You know, again, that's another thing. You know, when I was knuckling down and putting four or five hours a day in, you know, you can't do that in there really now. What I've seen as well from the UK, and this was when I was a junior going over there and, and still see now, is when you go into the club, the people in the UK are going in and these mainly youngsters I'm talking about, the, the teenagers that know they what they want to go down this avenue. They can go in the club, they can have 
hours in there, they can basically spend the day in there, they can have meals in there. They're surrounded by fellow snooker enthusiasts who are doing the same. And anybody, aside from a junior, anybody can walk in and there'll always be somebody there that they can have a game with. They can go on and do a couple of hours on the table here and it'll be somebody that they don't expect on that morning to be playing a game of snooker with. You know, you can just walk in and, and there'll always be somebody in there to have a game with and that's the type of club, social club um, atmosphere that I'm talking about that we don't have over here. That's something that I've missed as a junior. I really missed that and that was our what I was envious of mainly when I went uh, went away and saw what my fellow juniors were, were having and then of course I was coming back over to, to what we've got over here and it was it was di- it was difficult it was difficult you used the example of the northern snooker center in Leeds um, this is the venue where the Isle of Man um, competes against <clears throat> the rest of the British islands um, in the home international tournament each year mm. um, it's a venue you know quite well from playing as a junior I believe and when yeah. you were coming through the ranks. Yeah. I played a little bit there when I was um, at university and I can remember going in one of the first times I went in actually and there's a central table lowered with seating around it. The mm. I think it's what's considered the, the, the match, match table, table there. Yeah. Um, Peter Lines, who was 50-something in the world at that time, mm. was, was practicing on there and I remember thinking he was the best player I'd ever seen live yeah. and not at the Barbican or the Crucible. Mm. Um, equally, there's Oliver Lyons playing out of there, his son, yeah. David Grace. I remember watching practice there. Yeah. Um, Sanderson as well, I think, plays out yeah. of there. Is Sanderson that right? Lamb, yeah. So there's quite a selection of pretty top players in the world mm. in one venue, ready to kind of be inspired by even. Yeah, exactly. And we don't have... Is that what is that what you're hoping to emulate? Yes, I suppose, definitely. Is, is, is yeah. what I'm trying to get to. I mean, as a when I refer to my junior days, um, there are two players, Oliver and Sanderson, definitely that I'm referring to. Now, I used to, I had to again get dispensation, which Mel Quine uh, again, who was who was um, imper- imperative in in making me what what I was or what I am now in terms of uh, where I am with the game. And he managed to contact the English Association and say, I've got one junior on his own over here who has no junior competition over here. Um, we had the under-21 championships, you know, five of us are going it, six of us are going it. And I won that on the under-21s when I was nine or ten and won it every year since. So, it, you know, I, I had to get something my age um, better. And he got me this dispensation. So I was going over and playing on an England junior tour, which toured the best venues in in the north. Um, Leeds was mainly used. I was at Leeds at least once a month when I was um, growing up through the age of 11, 12. Mel was taking me across to them. And we used to have a weekend tournament. We'd go across there on the Friday morning, get into the hotel Friday afternoon, um, go into the club on the Friday night, and I'd have a bit of a practice. And the likes of Oliver and Sanderson would come in from school, in the school gear, have the change of clothes with them, change clothes, and they would be in there then all night. They'd have the tea in there and they'd go home on the bus together back home at the end of the... Now, that wasn't just because there was a tournament the next day. That was how they were living. That you know, It helped maybe with Oliver that his dad was in there as well, but you know, it didn't with Sanderson. And, it, and, and it, working it behind the bar and things yeah. as well. It was the whole Well, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. You, you, know, you end up then, the club takes you on. You get free practice if you do the tables. You work things like that, which you know is something that I would, I would quite like to emulate here. But it's also the fact that they've got the pros in the club. A lot of professionals in the UK, they don't have tables at home. They have their tables in the club. And yes, they're their tables and they're in the corner of the club somewhere, which is what I'll be doing with mine. But the fact is the juniors or the people in there can see these these players practising and these professionals practising and they can work up to that. And the professional will invite them on the table or whatever, you know, if if they're up to a decent standard and they'll have a game with them and they can play the professional in in the uh, in the club um that was the case when i went up to scotland for a, a, a few days playing up there went in the club and john higgins's table was in there well um, I, I can speak from much more limited experience there um there's a club in cambridge where i think neil robertson plays robertson, joe perry joe perry as yeah. well um, i remember attack snooker in the midlands where i went and watched chris wakelin for a little while yeah, yeah. um i think tom you, ford's maybe tom around ford area, around the leicester area if you go to the well. if you go to the um star academy in sheffield 
Uh, Ding Junhui was practicing out of there. Yeah. Um, one of a few. Again, there are, I think there are quite a few that play from there now. But yeah. Ding was certainly one that yeah. I knew at the time. Yeah. Um, and with that being Sheffield, um, a lot of the juniors in there were the ones that I was on the tour with. You know, and they'd come and say, you know, I've been playing with Ding Junhui this week, and and you know, I've been playing with this player and that player, and I'm thinking I'm I'm back home doing none of this, you know, and that, that was that was a struggle. But that's that's sort of what I'm talking about. You know, if if we can centre, we've got myself in the club. I'd say I'm going to move my my table in there, mainly for that reason because I I want to be centred around fellow snooker players. It's it's great having your table at home. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad I've got it. I'm glad I had it. I was grateful to everyone who's got me that opportunity. But it, it had its downsides, um, and it, you know a lot of lonely practice and players would come down, but it's it's not it's awkward for them coming down. It's not the same coming down to your house as it would be coming down to a club and, and playing me down there. So. Um, you know, we'll move my table into there again. The juniors can see other players. You know, it's, it'd be available for public use um, as well as uh, as just me. Um, so, as I say, the juniors can can sort of get something like what we're getting across now. We've got the pool tables are going to be upstairs because um, it's it's not just snooker. It's a Q sport venue I'm going for to serve all Q sports better. And this again is is appealing to the junior side because pool. I don't play pool. I um, never have played eight ball pool, mainly because when I was a junior, it was all pubs, and there's just no opportunity for you know. I don't know if we do have any juniors play pool. I can't see how we how we do in a way. So this is something now brand new that we can look to. Maybe even get a junior island championship going, which I don't think has ever ever happened. And of course, right round the corner, we've got the Arms professional player, Dave Adnell, who, who like I say lives around the corner. He's been helping with the club. He's been helping with the pool side. He's going to be in the club as well with his pool expertise. So with that combination, and as I said now, which we can maybe go on more in depth about the coaching in there, you know, with us two players of our abilities and our knowledge and these coaches that are operating out of there now, it's this is a facility that has never been seen on this island before. And it's we, we're getting there somewhere near to what people have elsewhere now. You mentioned Dave Adnell, and he's just on the periphery of the top 20 in the IPA World Pool rankings at the minute and has gone from strength to strength over the last couple yeah. of seasons. You don't play pool. He does play <clears throat> snooker a little bit, and we saw him mm. hit a century in the Champion of Champions, so he's still perfectly mm. capable of giving anybody a good game on yeah. their day. And it's not to say that there aren't good players on the island, of course. We have John Kennish, Sean Corkish, Tom Miller, people mm. of that ilk who are not far away from being pretty top amateurs i would i would guess anyway john yeah. certainly john, john in, in my memory has proven going away to yeah. the world amateur championships and the european amateur championships he can mix it with people who are mm. um pretty established and experienced yeah um so there is a caliber of player on the island mm. um not perhaps into the professional realms but um yeah. There, there is talent. There is competition. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're players that, you know, people have. When I was on the tour, people were saying to me, fellow professionals, what do you do for practice over there? And I say, well, there are players on the island that, you know, I, I compete with, that I practice with, that I'm happy to practice with, that are of good standard. Um, you know, there's John, Sean as well. Sean Corkish always produces when we go away, mainly. Um, you know, he's just got this switch that he can seem to turn. We went to the World Cup together, and and he produced out there and. But I'm sure they'll take this in the best possible way. For them, they have their lives. It's it's they have their jobs. It, and snooker is a hobby. It's a hobby they're very very good at, and it's a hobby that enables them to go away when the island and compete compete in events over here. But it is a hobby for them. So yes, I can I can practice with them. But as I've said, if somebody wants to take up the game properly, they need somewhere where they can really knuckle down in a venue. And again, I think that's a lot down to the coaching as well. That you know, they, we haven't got the structure in place for the coaching. Now, that's not disrespecting the coaches. We have three coaches over here who went and qualified as European uh, affiliated coaches. One of them is is my own coach who comes out with me to tournaments. Uh, Paddy, we, as a national governing body, Wilt Snooker, were providing the national governing bodies with these three small training tables they're beautiful gold star tables they're on wheels they can be wheeled anywhere and so we would you can't buy those but we were given three uh, as the Alaman Association now there's currently nowhere to house them at the moment so we go to the Q 
community games at the NSC once a year where the schools are invited down there and they try all the sports and the three coaches are down there with the training tables, which is great. They look the part, you know, the coaches are there doing their thing. The kids try the game out. A lot of them like it. A lot of them think, yeah, I quite like this. What What's the uptake like there? Um, I can't personally say because I don't I don't attend it. Um, as I say, it's the three coaches, but they certainly have a lot, <laughs> a lot that try it out. Generally, the, the feedback is positive. It's something they've never probably even thought of trying, a lot of the, the children sometimes. But then we have the issue of, though there's no follow-up. You know, what we've got these interested children now. What do we do with them? And that, that's where the downfall is then. Now we're going to actually have these tables housed in the Q-Zone. Um, that's going to be a big bonus for the coaches now. They can put a structure together, a programme. We can now go into the schools. Um, you know, I'm part of the... the association committee and we do get a lot of criticism from players who say that we don't do enough for juniors we don't do enough with the schools but there's not much we can do at the moment um, now when we've got this facility in place with these training tables we can attack the schools we can take the tables out there for the day put them up in a school hall um, you know have, have a week there and then again they've now got the follow-up uh, available you know it's somewhere I'm hoping Going back to the days of, of Macy and Oliver and Sanderson, you know, two two can come down on the bus after school if they like. They're in a good place. The parents are happy. They're getting the tuition they need. They're getting the the around the people they need to be. So as I said, I'm I'm hoping it will just better things all around. You mentioned at the beginning of the conversation that you decided from quite an early age that snooker was what you wanted to spend your time doing. Mm. Um, I'd suggest you were very much the anomaly in that, really, and. Mm. I guess the question always has been how do children or how are children encouraged that snooker is the game for them rather than football or rugby or whatever it might be, I don't know, um, any kind of alternative sports they might take yeah. up from a similar kind of kind of age. Mm. Is it hoped this club will be the answer to that, do you think? Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, I had connections with, with the sport um, through past relatives. Nobody really took it seriously. My mum's um, dad did take it seriously. He used to play billiards around the Leicester area and, and even played with Joe Davis back in the day um, and has a few trophies that he won there. I never met him, unfortunately. Um, so I think that may be where I got it from. My granddad um, and my, my other granddad and my dad, they used to play league snooker and they, I saw it on the telly once when I was younger than eight and I, I quite liked this, you know, I was, I was enthralled by it. Um, I Granda got me a very small table then, um, like a little three foot, four foot thing. Uh, and I was decent at that. And then as I said, it was when I was eight, I decided that I want to do it. For me, getting into snooker, I did. I was never into football, never into rugby really. But I say from eight, it was it was snooker for me all, all the way through. But other sports are available. I was just thinking of, um, yeah. you know, popular sports that are taken up on the island, um, mm. of which there are a few, of course, but... I wouldn't really think of snooker as being one of those, or not at the no, minute at least. But I think there's an, a, an argument for a, a facility of some kind and a junior coaching programme of some kind for the other popular sports, whereas snooker there isn't. I mean, for me, it's, it is a good sport to get into. You know, it, it, It's a sport that, for me, has moved from the old working men's type club where you know parents didn't like their children going because they used to go and there used to be a line of smoke under the shade and... It was always centred around alcohol, which for me is now a thing of the past. It's gone from what I've seen, which is a, which is a good thing. It's moved to a proper sport now, and it should be classed as football, rugby, and cricket, and, and tennis, etc., golf. And it, we should have a facility on the island that allows that to happen and allows that that um, sport to be pursued by the by the juniors that are interested in it. Um, in a physical, literal sense, what? What's the club looking like now? What's the progress been like? Yeah, it's good now, yeah. Um, there's a lot of people helping me out, getting it ready. We're looking maybe another probably couple of months, um, maybe around February time opening, hopefully, but uh, things are starting to come together now, definitely. As I said, I'm grateful to the people that are helping me out and, and willing to spend hours down there, and uh, we are getting to a point where it's becoming real, and it's becoming, you know, we can see the end product now. Um, so now's the time to be to get the word around that, that this new facility is coming to the island. Um, and I should point out, as, although I'm doing this very much so, which is what's gaining support from our association, from our local authorities, from commissioners, from MHKs, um, I'm doing it for junior sport. 
because I, I, you know, I'd love to bring on the juniors. I'd love to give back something to the sport that's given me so much. You know what I've achieved throughout my my lifetime so far. But as well as that, I don't want to put any adults off the thought that it's going to be a junior club. It's going to be, you know, some might even think it's going to be a youth club. Well, it isn't. It's it's a general snooker and pool club, any ages, any abilities, and you know we want to get it out there to the people who watch snooker maybe don't even play it anymore or never played it but they think well there's a venue now that we can go down and have 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 a go at this and as I say there's people like me in there there's people like Dave in there so come a couple of months I say we'll we'll get the advertisements out and take advanced memberships people are up for it have a big open night Uh, you know they can come down and try things out for the night and then hopefully you know we turn the game around. Is there a challenge to trying to balance the competitive side of the game with the kind of recreational side um i think yes i think there is but you know i think it's i think it's doable i think i think it's it's definitely doable um i mean certainly the junior side you know i'll be passing a lot of that to the coaches um i'll be there to offer you know any help i can any expertise um but while they're doing that you know i want to bring on the general ability of players over here i want them to improve themselves adults i'm talking about now put competitions on for them, put proper regular one-day competitions on, you know, the decent tables that we're going to have in, in the club. You know, I'm pretty confident it will become the premier Q-Sport facility um, because it's, to me it's I'm bringing something that isn't has never been here before. And for, um, for, even for people who don't necessarily know or have an interest in snooker, there's or Q-Sports, I should say, that there's quite mm. a big disparity in the kind of quality of equipment and the conditions. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that... Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah. And you'll you'll yeah. you'll know from travelling around the UK. There's yeah. quite a big spectrum of places, even that competitive snooker is held at. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean that's that's one thing. When when we go away, you know, the first thing people are saying is that they they are not used to the equipment we're using away. We're not using the standard of, of table. The, the clubs over here that we've got, the private clubs and and the other clubs. They're doing what they can, you know, with the resources they've got, and they're they're doing their tables up and, you know, putting an an effort in. Um, but they, we don't have the standard compared to what we're going away with, and we don't have a lot of them in one area. If you know what I mean, like to put a comp on for for a day or whatever, and have everyone playing on on good, decent tables. And I think that makes that makes the game more enjoyable, even if you're not that good at the game. If you're playing on nice conditions, you know, I think that that makes a massive difference and is appealing tables require quite a lot of ongoing maintenance don't they in refurbishment which is not only time consuming and quite specialist but also costly obviously. expensive yeah and this is why clubs you know this is why um your clubs normally don't have these tables they'll they'll have one or two and then they'll have others that are just standard with very heavy cloths on them that don't need recovering and caring for as often to keep costs down you know on that sense that's that's why that's understandable that's why they do that Let's talk about the coaching and refereeing on the island as well. I know that there's mm-hmm. also been an effort to try and recruit some, recruit and train some more referees in the past couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, has the the pool of people that are able to do refereeing and coaching uh, improved? Do you think? Um, I think so. Um, we did start a, a sort of refs course um, towards the end of last year. Um, it's stuff that we we're looking to complete in the next coming months or the end of this season we did take one referee from that course who I must say um, performed very very well in the Champion of Champions I was um, going to say he had a, a, a debut didn't he he had like. a debut there yeah we, we rolled him out well he, he was up for the first day um, just um, you know marking the board for us and, and seeing what goes on properly in, in, a, in a match and then towards the end of that weekend that, that first weekend is very full on of the Champion of Champions you know we go down from 16 players to 4 there's a lot of snooker over that weekend, so by the end of the weekend, he'd seen quite a bit, and um, but he was well able then to to be put in charge of one of the matches towards the end of the weekend. Um, had very very good comments back from the players. Again, that is a bit of a downfall over here that our referees are not refereeing enough. They say themselves, you know, and I'm I'm a referee as well, and I, I can say the same. The players are playing quite often. When they go to a match with a referee, they expect that referee to be spot on and to get his job right. And they get annoyed when he doesn't. But it's a very long time since that referee has last refereed a match. And it's it's hard to just switch back into it. 
So again, with the club, you know, all these tables will be on the go with with comps. They'll be refereeing. Um, we, we'll be able to work with them and bring bring them up to to a better level. And yeah, that, that same applies with the coaching really. And we've got three three, I think, very apt coaches. As I say, one of them is mine that comes out to tournaments with me. And again, you know, they've gone through the course and everything, and and they've been shown what to do. They, these are qualified people who who have all the gadgets, have all the the training to be able to tell you how to improve your game. And t- taught by PJ Nolan, who's yeah. the Irish national coach, I think. Yeah, still. he is, but he's also, uh, um, I, I think I'm right in saying he's the head coach of the EBSA, the European Association. He might even be of the the IBSF, the international one. But either way, he is regarded certainly in the amateur game as as one of the best coaches in the world. And yeah, he came over here and did the course with the three of them, um, trained them up over over a few days, passed their they passed their exam with him. And this all centres around the sports uh, association, Isleman Sport. Um, they issued to all the governing bodies of all the sports that we needed to put together this development plan, or they worked with us to put a development plan together. And a lot of that had in it um, about improving conditions, improving facilities, bringing on youngsters, introducing youngsters to the game, coaches to the game, refereeing, um, and it, we've done what we can and we're doing what we can, but they understand the situation we're in, that we can't, we're limited with resources to what we can do, and again, with this new facility now, we can really start to put into practice what this development plan, because that's how the funding's based, you know, the funding that we get from Alleman Sport is based on what we achieve with results and what we what we work towards. Um, which then sends our players across to these international events where we're, we're starting to perform well at them and I know we can perform even better at them if they're having the proper training and proper facilities before we go to that event. Um, so hopefully yeah, it all comes together and, and you know it just improves the, the standard of Q Sports for everyone. I think what you're probably referring to there, or one of the competition you're, you're referring to is the Home Internationals, which we send a men's team and a... Uh, is it a Masters, Masters, or, Masters team? Yeah. yeah. Um, and this season, um, particularly in the men's side, it was quite a strong team that was sent away. Um, mm. Hasn't always been necessarily the island's top four players that go for various reasons, but this year it yeah. was certainly pretty close to being, I would have said. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there were some good results, signs of promise. And, and we're playing against England, Wales, Scotland, the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, you know, mm. it's it's not as though you're going to play against other comparable populations, even really. It's mm. punching above our, our weight already. Would you say? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, we are at a, we're at a disadvantage before we go because those countries are playing, as I've said, on these match tables week in week out. The whole team of Ireland are having the coaching off PJ Nolan weeks before. They're all practicing together on the match tables. We worked hard to go this year, but we weren't working together as a group on the match tables um, and again coming down to my house is a bit it, the option was there and some of them did one at a time if you know what I mean but with multiple tables you know we can definitely have a better training base if you like for the home internationals then um, we did well we, we could have done a bit better but given if we'd have had time uh, as a group with with the proper training facilities before we went, you know, I think we'd we'd have gone better prepared, but certainly the ability is there. So as I said, if we can get everyone down with a training base under proper conditions, again use the referees for that. Then so it's a proper match environment, which we're not getting the practice with at the moment. You know, that much at the minute, then I th- I think that can make a difference, and hopefully we'd get this open in time, that that can happen even for this year's one in August. Aside from that, we used to have tournaments in the old days which I've read about and I've heard about from the likes of Ken who is the association chairman there's things like the Tri-Islands which was Ireland, Isle of Wight, Isle of Man they used to have friendlies between each other I think that still goes on with other countries, now of course we haven't got anything to bring the players to here, you know, we, we, we can't offer them anything to come and have a weekend here with so, us. So it could become a hosting venue for exactly. for international competition yes. as well, you think? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've got good connections from where I've been in the game anyway. I have already sort of put the 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 word around. Mainly did it at Leeds last year, 
Um, and certainly one team straight away, one country said, yes, you know, we'll be over for a weekend, do a friendly with you. And that will that will be good because that's a, a spectacle then for the island. Which country are you able to say? Um, I think so, unless they're watching this. But it was at, it was at his island. Yeah. Um, it was PJ. It was PJ Nolan himself because he's been to the islands. And I said, you know, what are the chances if we actually had a facility over here? Would we get a friendly together? You know, a friendly international proper serious event over a weekend and he said yeah you know they'd be over like a shot and these are top players like these are the top these are Ma- the top Irish amateurs Michael Judge yeah, um, Brendan Gog- O'Donoghue Rodney Goggins, Goggins. Well, I think Goggins yeah. is the number one amateur isn't it at the minute so, yeah yeah yeah. You know, these- and I mean, whether we get those those four you know or, or whatever but certainly you know that will be one thing we will be looking quite early on to, to arrange and sort and as I said the spectacle of that you know because we, we would then put a good team you know, with it being on Ireland we, we would put the top four Island players against them, uh, maybe even do a Masters as well or whatever, you know, for the weekend. And as I say, we we just have somewhere then that we can actually bring them to, you know, hopefully put on a show and, and have a have a good good event. What would be the measure of success in the medium term? Maybe is it is it when we start beating teams like Scotland, perhaps or Northern Ireland, who, from what I can gather, seem to be the kind of weaker opposition of the of the teams we've mentioned. Is that is that would that be the aim? Do you think? To begin with, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were so close to a win this year, which is unheard of at the at the home internationals. You know, we don't win matches at the at the at the home international event. We win frames and we pick up frames here and there. Um, and I, I, you know, said myself when when I was interviewed about the home internationals um, this year just gone, that I was at a point where I was going over and playing for the individual tally because you know the team. We were taking the team for experience, which it's good for because it gives them a taste of what international snooker is like. Um, but you don't go with the thought that you, we're going to win matches here and we've got a chance. Um, we did this year, and as I said, we lost. We started losing seven five, little things here and there, which again I think down to a bit of match practice or, or f- table practice could have gone different. Um, and then towards the end of the d- of the week, we. Drew with one country. I can't remember which country it was, but we we drew with them. Wales, think, I think. I, yeah, it might be Wales. Not sure. We went on anyway. to win it, or maybe we lost seven five to Wales, who actually went on to win the whole thing. And then when it got to the last playoff, um, for who finished really bottom, eighth and seventh, we we then beat Northern Ireland, and even that was was history for us. We we haven't done that in in the tournament. So the Ireland man is not seen as a threat there. I said last year we we could have sprung a surprise if if we, and I think we did a bit, but. We need to get to a point where we are considered amongst England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland as one of the runners for the tournament, which I, th- I think is doable. I, you know, I do. For the recreational player, um, is this facility going to be a licensed premises, or is it going to offer food, or is it what's what's the kind of bigger package? If you like, will there be TVs? Will there be yeah? So pa- pa- paint the picture. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, obviously, I haven't got much in terms of pictures to, to throw about at the minute because we're still working on on the building. And it's still quite a um, a bare shell, if you like. Um, but yes, so it's got a quite a large main snooker hall where that's going to be the main base of, of, of everything. That's where the training table's going to be in. Do you know how many tables the there'll be, tables. roughly? Um, around five to six snooker um, with the three training tables. That includes mine, which will be, as I said, in the corner, which we will have as the club's match table, so that'll have um, like boxed tiered seating around it. Um, and then we'll have um, a couple of other match tables and uh, a few others around the outer side. It's going to have a, a viewing area in that in that room. Aside from that, it has got, a, as I said, the eight ball pool uh, going upstairs. What I've seen as well in the UK, you know, that they're both separate from each other um, so that you can have things going on in the snook, you can have things going on in the pool and, and it's separate. And the noise can be a bit much, you know, you know, if you've got things going on in the snook, you've got to shut the pool down for the night. It's not ideal. So we can keep the two going. Um, and then it will have a separate lounge um, sort of room separate from those two two rooms which is as it as it said in the title it's it's just a lounging area mm-hmm. um television in there and it will we will be doing food as well light meals um sort of homemade warm meals that will have an eatery in in with the lounge area if you like so that'll be people can go away separate make noise separate from the snooker and the and the pool which is like uk clubs you know so what i said when people come in they have their tea in there mm-hmm. they can have their lunch in there you can get people who are not involved with 
with Q Sports even, you know, if they want to come in off the industrial estate for the lunch, they might see the snooker going on and think I'll have a go at that or whatever. And, and you can use the like example this. of the, we keep talking about the Northern Snooker Centre in Leeds, so I'll stick with that. There's yeah. the little kind of foyer where yeah. you can sit, chill out, eat your food, and then yeah. there's almost a, there's, is there a glass front, a glass onto, front the, onto the match table? To the, yeah. yeah, and that's, that's the same from what I've seen people come in there on their way home from work and have their tea in there and they're not even interested in the snooker, you know, but they're spending money in there and, and that's fine. Um, we the premises won't be licensed. Um, this is this is in in view of, as I said, developing the junior game. Um, I'm still of the opinion, from what I've seen, as I've said earlier, that that the the thought process of needing alcohol to play snooker has has gone, and, and rightly so, it should go. Um, if you want to play proper snooker in in a proper facility for that that sport. Um, you don't need it. There is a facility. Uh, there is an option where you can bring your own, um, as long as I don't, as I, I don't serve it, um, which we're going to go for. But that will be, that will be, you know, strictly monitored, and um, that's not just discretionary or whatever. Discretion, yes, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. If you want to bring one or two along and have a, a night with your mate or whatever, do so. But it's going to be a respectable venue. That it's going to be one that juniors should be happy to attend to grow up in around something that hopefully they're going to enjoy doing and, and mix with the right people and the good players that are, that are playing the game. I have to ask um, a bit about your playing as well. Um, you mentioned you had two years on the professional tour. Yeah. That was won by or gained by winning the European Under-21 Championships, is that right? Yeah. Um, a few years ago now. Uh, um, 2015. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the hope and I ask you this every time we talk: Is it hoped that you'll be back on the professional tour one day? Is that is that an aspiration? Do you think? And will this facility be a part of that process, or is it about being a good amateur? What's um, what's the target? It's something that I I sort of change my mind on a bit, um, sort of each day. Um, as you said, yes, I I went up through my career. I knew I wanted to be a professional snooker player, and I was willing to do anything to get that. Um, I won the European under twenty ones, um, and then reached number seventy five in, in the, the world. world. Yeah, yeah, that's not an insignificant milestone, I should no, add. No, no, no. I mean, people will say, "Well, you can," you know, that doesn't sound too impressive. But not everybody has has been seventy fifth best in the, in the world at a sport, and that's not far yeah. off staying on the professional tour. So it wasn't as though it was yeah. miles no, no, out of the no. realms of possibility. No, and well, I was. I, I mean, I got up to that from from you, you go in obviously on, on no money. It's it's based on a money list, and then you you have to earn the money to climb the ladder. Um, and at the end of the first year, I. I then started the second year as as world number seventy five, um, and I was I was flying then. You know, I was, I was quite happy. I was getting good results. I was beating. I beat James Watanar, um in China, um, which was a good win for me at that point. Um, beat Robert Milkins. Robert Milkins, yeah. He was world number eighteen at the time, and I beat him to qualify for another Chinese tournament. A frame off beating Ronnie O'Sullivan. I think more people will have heard of him. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I won't. I won't open that wound again because yeah. that was quite close. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. There's no, there's no wound there at all, really. Um, that was actually in my second year um, when um, I think people are quite aware that I did d- develop a health issue, um, and uh, that was sort of going into the into the second year. Um, it's actually the awareness week for for ulcerative colitis, so I probably should talk about. I don't tend to talk about it much, but um, you know, it was, it was inflammatory bowel disease, and uh, it was just it knocked me f- completely for six. Which, in, which, which people might not realise is pretty debilitating as well. Absolutely, so yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's similar to Crohn's disease, which people will be more familiar with, um, and it's quite. It actually affects a lot of sports people, which I think, I think personally, is due to the stress of it all, because it, it was a stressful time. You know, I was, I was wasn't here that often. I was travelling from one tournament straight to the next. Um, and then that followed, you know, a lot of hospital trips, and I was missing. I missed two tournaments where I could have got ranking points because I was actually in hospital, um, and it was general fatigue. You know, I couldn't, I wasn't bothered about practicing. I, I didn't feel like practicing, um, and I was actually advised not to go to the match with with Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, but I'd got the draw through, and I said, "There's no way I can not," you know. And I, I put a couple of hours in um, one day before I went away to to Barnsley. And I stayed with a friend in Barnsley from when I was on the tour, when I was on the junior tour there. So um, that was quite handy there that, you know, I was in a bit of a relaxed environment. 
and then went out and just gave it everything I had against Ronnie and he was a bit off you know he was a bit I think he just had a a very good final somewhere so he it was a bit of a downer for him coming to play me in Barnsley basically um and then but when he when he found himself 2-0 down I saw like a switch change in him and then 4-3 down and then he first then to I, five. I still kept 4-3 ahead and I did think if I get one more chance in the decider or in in the next two frames um, I quite fancied doing the job but from 4-3 down I, I just didn't really get an opportunity to do it and he did me 5-4 um, but that was um, you know that that was one, one without doubt one of the highlights that I look back on um, and as I said you know award wise what I gained when I was on there I've won Isle of Man Sports Awards was the rookie of the year for World Snooker at their awards ceremony um, then I was inducted into the Hall of Fame for sporting on the Isle of Man at, at the age of 21 which for me was one of like the biggest honours I, I could have been given at the time on the island um, so you know I, I did achieve a lot and it's hard to forget you know I can't forget what, what I've achieved sometimes I look back and think you know I need to go back there and try again maybe as I said this club will will ignite some of that for me because I've got to get the tail back in an environment if it's the environment that I want it to become um, maybe that's the case but I do I do enjoy being back in sort of the international amateur um, snooker because it's a good group of people. It's the same people you're seeing quite regular with the countries, um, and I don't think I don't think there was anything wrong whilst I was getting myself back on my feet. Really, being in the you know staying in the international amateur game, I always said if I got to a point where I was on the verge of winning a pro ticket, I probably wouldn't even take the pro ticket for for winning that. Um, but have you have your practice levels recovered? Yes, the, yeah, yeah. As, I mean, touch wood. Um, with with the condition, you never know how you're going to be affected by, it, and they never know really what medication to give you. Um, sometimes it's diet, sometimes it's medication, and it one what will what will suit one won't suit the other. So sometimes you can go years without. Um, I mean, I was told I'd be four or five years before I got sorted, and sort of within eighteen months, um, I got to a point where. It wasn't affecting me that much, and since then it hasn't really much. You know, I count myself quite lucky when I hear other stories. But I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm in full control of what's going on, and I'm telling it, you know, what what it's doing instead of vice versa. Um, so I think now's the now's the time with the club um, as well, and all that coming together. Um, I'm going away in January back to the World Championships, the World Amateur Championships with the World Snooker Federation. Um, really looking forward to that one. Practice has been going well. Um, only about the last week or so, I must say, I've been working with Paddy at home, the, the European coach. Um, last few weeks, it wasn't great. You know, it was um, a bit hit and miss at times and, and we were trying to just tweak a, a couple of things here and there. Which Hit, hit and miss, ha-ha. Ha. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, it literally was hit and miss. Um <laughs> Uh, instead of hitting pot, but um, and uh, but some all of a sudden the last week or so, last week and a half, um, it's just really clicked and it's coming together quite nicely now. Um, so hopefully he's coming, he's coming, he's coming out to Malta with me anyway. Um, so hopefully we can go to Malta and have a good tournament. And Malta's back to the scene of the crime, isn't it? Exactly. Isn't that where that, that you, was, uh, yeah, you had the biggest win, really. Yeah, that that was another reason why, because you know I like Malta as the place anyway. But it, it will always have, uh, you know, hold a special place with me that it was the place where I became a European champion, um, you know. So to to step back there will be will be quite nice. Is that the litmus test? If you give what you would think of as being a, a good account of yourself there, is that is that kind of a measure of where you're at? Do you think now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've got our ideas of goals, etc., for the tournament. I mean, I'm I'm just wanting to go there and play well. Um, I've been away a couple of times last year. Um, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. To be honest, I don't. I didn't really put enough work in um, before I went out to them, um, which I need to change. You know, which we know when you, uh, I've changed. Them, but as I say, health-wise, I'm in a better place now. I can. I can put the work in. Um, more so, I'm enjoying putting the work in again. You know, I think at the end of the day, I'm still young at, at twenty. 23 now um snooker professionally is becoming an old man's sport to be truthful 23 um, but you've said you've been playing for 15 years yeah um yeah. do you think perhaps there was a a bit of loss of love for the game at one point oh yeah there was definitely yeah 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 and it, it didn't help with the fact that i wasn't feeling up to practicing and feeling up to traveling and you know 
people would love the thought of traveling the world and having a job that travels the world but when you're not feeling 100 percent, you you get sick of it and you really don't enjoy it um and you should be grateful really for what you've got and, and for the chance to do that but when you're actually doing it you, yourself it, it gets you down um and because i wasn't enjoying the game i wasn't playing well um so as i said that that now hopefully is starting to come back um i've reignited a bit of love for the game which i think is needed you know if you take time out um and get yourself back into it and, and enjoy it again it's you you automatically play a level better anyway if you're enjoying what you're doing and you're actually looking forward to practicing instead of it being a chore so we began talking about the club so let's finish talking about the club as well yeah. um what's left to do i suppose before the launch um and and what what can people look forward to uh <laughs> Painting a lot, a lot of painting. Um, <clears throat> if anyone's handy with a paintbrush and wants to help out, then uh, you know I'm open to suggestions. But um, it's, I mean, it's a vast building. It's, it's we're looking at seven thousand six hundred square feet. So you know, it's no, it's not one table in a in a room on its own. It's um, it's a proper venue. Um, so that's mainly all. It, there isn't that much left to do. Um, I say we're working hard. People helping me are working hard down there. Um, so it's all just sort of bringing it all together now. Um, Steve at Northwest Snooker Services, who I've been has been dealing with me for years, um, does my table at home, and I've introduced him to the to the island community now for all their clubs. Because I mentioned that trying to refurbish and maintain tables isn't a, a straightforward no, task, no. is it by I mean, any means? So he's like cleared the whole of January from his schedule for me, um, just so that he can be refurbishing the tables that are in the UK. Um, and getting them ready to bring over and then he's obviously going to look to bring him over and courier the tables over and, and have them installed in January so we've got to get the building ready for that to happen before we can they can then get the open date so I say the open night um, we will obviously have to start advertising pretty soon get a Facebook page going when with more concrete something more in, in concrete ready um, but it will just basically be a, a doors open night everyone can come down um, try try out things, see what it's like, decide there, and then if you think you, you know this is what I want to, it needs it needs the effect that we get when we go to Leeds or we go to any club and we walk in and go, blimey, this is this is something else, and it needs that effect over here. And if if they do that and they want to join and like it, then then we go from there. That was Daryl Hill, ex-professional snooker player and former world number seventy-five speaking all about the Q-Zone IOM and what's next for him at the table. Thanks for listening. Take care.